Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. Welcome, excited to see everybody here. Those watching online, I want to encourage you to check in with Pastor Andrew, let them know where you're watching from. Those that are here today, today we're excited because we are starting the New Testament. Woo! (laughs) If you haven't been following along with us, if this is your first time, we've been reading the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, and for the last 10 and a half months, we've been in the Old Testament. And we just launched in the New Testament this week. Uh, I'll be preaching out of John 1. So if you got your Bibles, go ahead and pull them out. Got your listening guide, pull that out. Uh, I got to tell you, I, I am excited to be in the New Testament talking about Jesus as we are moving forward. Uh, but it's been a fun journey as we preach to the prophets and uh, the different Old Testament readings and uh, following up with Jeremy Cook's message from last week, if you didn't get to be here, Jeremy is our church planner in Oregon. He's been there about four years now, and they've been going since their launch. They planned launch date, the date they shut the whole state down for COVID. And so they have been trying to work through that ever since. But, man, I got to give him credit. That man is a man of perseverance and a man of vision, and he loves the Lord. He loves folks that are there and so grateful for Jeremy and the message that he brought us last week. Uh, This week, I want to ask you a question. How many of you have heard of one of my favorite heroes, Count Zinzendorf? Oh, yeah, there's there's one or two in here, one or two. Count Zinzendorf has nothing to do with Dracula. Let me just say that. Sadly, we all know about Count Dracula, but Count Zinzendorf has nothing to do with him. Count Zinzendorf was a landowner, wealthy landowner in Germany, that came to know Christ and in doing so brought some refugees who were needing a place to live onto his property and was helping them earn a living. And and they were from a Christian background. He was a Christian. Uh, Together, they began to sharpen each other and grow each other. They were called the Moravian people. And Count Zinzendorf began to hear about missions all over the world, but none that were going to anybody besides the Anglo people. Only those with European descent were the missionaries going to. And that broke his heart. And he heard about what was going on with the the slavery in the Indies and the West Indies and St. Simon and St. I mean, St. Thomas and uh, the Bahamas and where they're having these sugar plantations. And the church, sadly, it's a great sad point in the history of the church at that time, had decided that the slaves were not real people, that they were just beasts for the purpose of work, that they didn't even have a soul. But when Zinzendorf read his Bible, he read something different. He read that God came for all mankind, and the good news of Jesus was for everybody, whether they were from Europe or Asia or Africa or North America, that the good news was meant to be shared globally. And his heart broke for these other people, and he began to train these young men of the Moravians to be missionaries, and today they have spread all over the world. 
Matter of fact, the two first men that went, uh, their names were, let's see, Dober and Netchman. Ever heard of them? I'd never heard of them. They were the first two to go. And they went to the Caribbean islands, and some 50 years later, there were over 13,000 followers of Jesus on seven different islands who were walking with Jesus. And it wasn't with it out without adversity. They, they met adversity at every turn, not just from the difficulty of sharing the good news, but from the slave owners themselves, because as long as they could convince everybody that these were not people, as long as they convinced them they, could, they did not have souls, they could treat them how they wanted to. Once they began to come to faith in Christ and follow the Lord in baptism, and people began to realize these are men of God in their conversions, the lies began to fall, and the truth of the gospel of Christ began to permeate all areas and change men and women from the inside out. That's what God does. That's what his intention is, that he, he changes us from the inside out. We're going to look at John 1 today. John 1, John is talking about this change of being born again. If you got your Bibles, look at John 1. We're going to read together, uh, starting in John, starting in verse 1. John's not the first book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all talk about Christ. Uh, but I'll pick John this morning because the, uh, the book is written to, the, to all mankind. Uh, Matthew and, and Luke have the, the genealogies of the Jews to help the Jews understand that Jesus came from both Abraham and also from King David so that they knew that Jesus was of the right lineage. John speaking to the Greeks and the Romans and much like most of us in this room and helping them understand that Christ is God in the flesh. And that's why him living a perfect life is able to pay the sins of all mankind. So if you got your Bibles, we're in John chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, in the beginning, the Word already existed. The Word, let me just pause there. The word is a reference. It means logos. It means uh, the word of God. It's the life. It's talking about Christ, okay? The word was with God, and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him, and nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created, and his life brought light to everyone, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to speak to us this morning. Lord, I am so grateful for the good news you bring us through Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful, God, that your message is for everyone. So thankful, God, that your message of hope and new life this idea that we can be your children is true. I pray today, if there's anybody in the room today that hasn't yet heard this message, that it would leap inside of them this morning and that they would choose to be born again as a child of God. I pray that in Jesus' holy name, amen. All right, if you have your listening guide on your phone or in the sheet of paper that you picked up when you came in, the first thing I want you to see is that Jesus is clearly proclaimed to be God. Now, this is a big deal because 
for John to say that he was there at creation, if it was not true, would be total heresy. It would be a lie for which all of them would be persecuted and killed, and many of the disciples were for that reason. To declare that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh, if he wasn't the Messiah they were promising, would be heresy. And so for many, this was where they they separated ways. They were okay with Jesus as a teacher. They were okay with Jesus as a moral leader. They were not okay with him being God in the flesh. And that's where much of the world is today. Much of the world today would say they're okay that Jesus is a good teacher. They're okay that Jesus was a prophet, a good man. But to believe that he is God in the flesh, they would draw the line and say, we can't go there. And so for those of us as followers of Christ, though, that's where we, we hang our hope. Because as being God in the flesh, he is the one that could live the perfect life and therefore take our sins upon the cross that we too might be forgiven. Because as a man or a woman today, none of us are without sin. We all battle that sin, that flesh. Christ overcame it. And so John is beginning his letter as he's sharing this good news. He's starting out with the fact establishing Jesus has always been. He was there at creation. It's neat how he ties the Old Testament and the New Testament together because in Genesis 1.1, it starts with, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so here John, in John 1.1, is tying it together and saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, the Word was with God. And he goes on to say that Christ was there to create all things. Well, for each one of us, the message that that gives us is the eternal message of hope that we follow Christ, who is God in the flesh, and he has therefore power over life and death. Now, this is why John and the disciples could be so bold. They knew that Jesus was God in the flesh. They saw him rise from the grave. They saw him raise Lazarus from the grave. They saw him raise other people from the grave. They knew that Jesus had power of life over death. Now, for you and I, we haven't gotten to see that. Most likely, we haven't gotten to see anyone raised from the dead supernaturally and therefore give us that extra hope But John and the disciples, they had touched his flesh. Thomas, the one disciple that was a doubter, who when when all his friends and fellow disciples came together and said, we saw Jesus, Thomas missed that. And Thomas, you might think, would think, well, Jesus said he was gonna raise from the dead. All my friends that I trust are saying he rose from the dead. I should believe just by their testimony that he rose from the dead. But instead, Thomas said, I will not believe it until I I put my, my finger in his hand and my hand in his side. And he did. And Thomas believed. For you and I today, the leap of faith is much larger. We are trusting in the word that we have read. We are trusting in the life change he has given us when we have been born again, we are trusting in what we see God doing around us. We are trusting in creation. But the hope that we have is that Christ rose from the grave. 
And that is where our hope lies on. And that is why Zinzendorf could send these two men knowing they might possibly be going to their death, but knowing that death is temporary, but life with Christ is eternal. That's where we find hope. That's why we send people to the uttermost reaches of the world. After first service, had a couple come to me. They're from Iran. And we're gonna pray for Iran at the end of the service. But they're from Iran. And they were asking, can we please, please, please be praying for our family? The persecution right now is heavy. Christians are being persecuted like crazy. You'll see just a snippet of it on the news because it so is less important to the news than what's going on with Snoop Doggy Dog, right? He gets his 15 minutes, they get their 15 seconds. But it's important. But why are these individuals willing in the midst of persecution to still profess Jesus Christ as Lord when it's at the point of their own death? It's because they know that Jesus has power over life and death. And we can praise the Lord and celebrate that. Well, uh, Jesus, in Matthew 6, 19 to 21, it's not on your listening guide, you can jot that down. He gave us this extra testimony when he said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust will corrupt and thieves will break in and steal, but store for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust will not corrupt and thieves cannot break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And so the challenge for us today is to invest our time, our talent, our treasure in the things that are eternal. And I, I wanna tell you, I believe prayer is a huge part of that. I believe prayer moves mountains. We're gonna pray at the end of the service together. We're gonna pray for the persecuted church. We're gonna pray for those that are serving the Lord overseas. We're gonna pray that he provides uh, people to go overseas to serve. We're gonna pray but we're also launching a new prayer initiative this Wednesday night, 6 p.m. to 7.30. Uh, one thing when I came out of sabbatical that I was convicted of was that we didn't have a set time that we could come together, all of us, whoever could come and really pray for like an hour. And so this Wednesday night, we're gonna be launching this new prayer time. We're gonna have a, a short time of worship, a short time of teaching, and then leave an hour just to pray in groups. Now, if that's uncomfortable for you, I get it. The first time I heard somebody talk about praying for an hour, I thought they must have been the Messiah themselves. And so we will walk you through and we will help teach you how to pray in groups. We will help explain it to you. And, and I wanna encourage you, if you don't have anything on your plans for Wednesday, put that on your calendar, six o'clock Wednesday. Be sure and sign up for the kids' ministry. But we can even bring kids in here with us. What better to teach our kids than how to pray? What better to help our kids understand than how to pray together? And so we're gonna be bringing those prayer requests, the prayer requests you put in on Sundays. We're now gonna have a time where we're praying for them as a church family as a whole on Wednesday nights. And then today at four o'clock, there are churches all over the city coming together and the, uh, the county mayor, the city mayor proclaimed today a day of prayer. And we're gonna meet over at Dogwood Park at the amphitheater. They've got it rented. I'm just a participant like you are, but I can't wait to go. Uh, some of the folks in our church are helping put it together, and we're gonna be praying over our city and asking God to love on our city 
to help reach people that are far from God and do a mighty work in our city. Four o'clock today from four to five. I hope you'll come to that. Prayer moves mountain. Why do we do all this? Because Christ is who he says he is. And he calls us to lay our treasures in heaven, not just on earth. The second thing I want you to see is this good news. We skip down to verse 10 in John chapter 1, verse 10. The good news is Jesus gives everyone the right to be born again as children of God. John 1, 10 to 14 says, He came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, talking about the Jews, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. They are reborn, not with the physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So in verse 10, he starts by reminding us that it was Jesus who was there at creation to create us. Then he reminds us in verse 11 that he was rejected. But then verse 12 is where I wanted to focus on this good news. But to all who believed him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. This is an adoption by God for everybody in this room. This is an adoption by God for everybody in the world. This is what would have changed Zinzendorf's understanding of God's plan in this world. Understanding that the good news of Christ is for everybody that, that lives. Doesn't matter what city you're in, doesn't matter what country you're in, the good news of Christ is there for all to know, the hope for all to follow the idea that you could be born again. Now, what is this idea of being born again? You can jot down John chapter three, verses three to nine. Jesus is having a conversation there with a man named Nicodemus. He was a religious man. He believed in God. He believed in the Bible. He believed we should follow the Bible. But Nicodemus was, was asking the question, how do we experience the kingdom of God? And Jesus said, to do so, you must be born again. Now, Nicodemus, being a scholarly man, and obviously very intellectual, asked a very relevant and obvious question, but a little bit awkward. Nicodemus said to him, he said, Jesus, surely a man cannot re-enter his mother's womb. That would be pretty uh, unlikely. And Jesus said, no, you don't understand. You must be born of the water and the spirit. When we are born as individuals in this world, we are born of the water. The mother's water breaks, a baby is born. When we are born of the spirit, it's a time in our life where we declare Christ as our Lord. We declare that God is God and we are not. We declare that we submit our lives to him. And for different people that comes at different times. I heard about Jesus for about 11, 12 years before I gave my life to Jesus. 
and I was born again. Now, for those of you who grew up in church, it can be harder because sometimes the lines are blurred as to when you actually became born again. I have friends that grew up Catholic and and Lutheran or Presbyterian, and some were told that, that they were born Christians because mom and dad were Christians, but that doesn't happen. You can't find that anywhere in the New Testament. Now, if you're born into a Christian family, obviously, you're going to have a greater chance of hearing the truth and following the truth. But there's still a physical birth and then a spiritual birth. And when you're one month old, you're not old enough to have a spiritual birth. You don't even know right from wrong. Can we agree to that? Okay? So there's got to be a spiritual birth. Now, many of my friends that grew up in those uh, denominations would say that during catechism, they were given that opportunity to submit their life to Christ, and they made that decision, and they know in that moment that they trusted Christ, and that was their moment of salvation. Others, though, perhaps if you grew up in a different tradition, you had to have an experience. For some, there's uh, utterances have to be made, there has to be uh, an emotional moment, and that's not in the Bible. Some people have those moments, yes, but it's not a requirement. What is the requirement? The requirement is that we be born again, that we have a moment, a time in our life where we say to Jesus, I give you it all. Please forgive me. There's a a moment there of turning away from the old life and turning to Christ. Now, for some, you may have been in here. I know folks that have been coming for years, and they're still waiting on making that decision. And I want to implore you today to step across that line. That if you, you, you're here, you believe in God, but you've never been born again, if you're waiting for the bright light from the angel, I, I share with my mom for years. And I asked her one day, I said, Mom, what would it take for you to become a Christian? She said, well, in the Bible, I heard that they, there was one time where an angel wrote, wrote it on the wall. She said, if an angel appears to me tonight and writes it on the wall, I'll get saved. I said, well, I'll pray for it. That's pretty high order. Didn't happen. Next morning, she said, see, I told you, God's not real. Man, what does it take? Well, I'm thankful that five years later, God captured my mom's heart, and she was born again. So grateful that God didn't say, well, that's it. I'll write her off. I struggle with it. Because there's another time when someone I love said, well, if I... I'm I'm out of work right now. If I get a full-time job tomorrow, I've got some applications in. If I get a full-time job tomorrow, I'll take that as, as a sign, as an answer prayer that God is real, and I'll give my life to Jesus. Guess what? Next day came and went, and they didn't get that job. And I saw them, and I said, hey, did you get the job? said, nope, told you, God's not real. And I was so crushed. But later on, they also came to know Christ. And I had a pastor friend of mine. I was mad at that moment. I was like, God had his chance. He blew it. I said, they said if, if, they, got a, if they got a full-time job, they would become a Christian. Why did God mess that one up? We set it on a tee. All he had to do was swing the bat, right? And my friend was much wiser than I was at that time. And he said, Steve, what if on Monday, on Friday, they said they believe in God because of that, and on Monday, they get fired? Where would their faith be? Their faith would be in a job 
not in a loving Savior. I was like, oh, that's good. God wants us to be born again into the family. It's something that he calls us to. It's an opportunity to know him as a child knows a parent and to be in love with him. And that's the third thing. The third thing is this is good news. And this good news is meant to be shared. This good news is meant to be proclaimed. This good news is meant to be told to all around the hope that we have in Christ Jesus. And it's up to us. Will we be proclaimers of that good news? Will we share with others? Look what they did in John 1. So John's introducing this, and then he's going to tell how it happened, how it came to pass. John 1, starting in 35, says, The following day, John was again standing with two of his disciples. As Jesus walked by, John looked at him and declared, Look, there is the Lamb of God. When John's two disciples heard this, they followed Jesus. Jesus looked around and saw them following. What do you want, he asked them. They replied, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he said. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon when they went with him to the place where he was staying. And they remained with him the rest of the day. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of these men who heard what John was said and then followed Jesus. Andrew went and found his brother, Simon, and told him, we have found the Messiah, which means Christ. Then Andrew brought Simon to meet Jesus. Looking intently at Simon, Jesus said, your name is Simon, son of John, but you'll be called Cephas, which means Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. John tells Andrew, Andrew tells his brother Peter. You see how this works? The good news is shared by those who have been born again. They meet Jesus, they go tell people. They meet people, they go tell people. This is God's intention. You and I are God's plan A. When we are born again, he has lit this fire inside of us, and we're called to go and tell others that they too can be born again. Our wives, our kids, our friends, our neighbors, our coworkers, our fellow students, this good news is meant to be declared. And in essence, everybody in this room is called to be an evangelist. You know what the word evangelism means? Telling of good news. That's what it means. It doesn't say we're all called to be judgers of people's sins. It doesn't say we're all called to be pokers of the things they're doing wrong. We're called to be evangelists, the tellers of good news. And the good news is that Jesus came to rescue us from that sin and that we too can be born again. Now, I have discovered in the last eight days that people in Tennessee are amazing evangelists. If you don't know this, remember, it's the telling of good news. What happened last Saturday, can anybody tell me, for the first time since 2006? Oh, nobody knows? Yeah, Tennessee beat Alabama, thank you. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah, let's celebrate that, yeah, all right. 
Hey, let me tell you, I watched the game, best college game I've seen in a long time, especially since we won, okay? But as soon as that game was over, I mean, your Facebook, your social media got blown up with everybody that was there. Am I right? He's like, I was here. There's a picture, right? Look what I got to see. There's a picture. And of course, then we all start asking questions. What are they going to do with those goalposts? Right? My kids were mesmerized for a long time. They're like, I bet they're going to take them out. I bet they're going to have to break them up. I bet they're going to throw them off the top. I wonder if they're going to put them in the river. They put them in the river. Somebody's, <laughs> one of them, my business-minded one was like, can you sell that? <laughs> How much could you get on eBay for those goalposts, right? Put those in your front yard. Uh, and I'm not knocking it. Listen, it was worth celebrating. But at the same time, that's what being an evangelist is. You tell good news to everybody. And somehow when it comes to our faith, we have bought the baloney that we shouldn't tell anybody because we might offend them. How many of you Tennessee fans were afraid of offending an Alabama fan? <laughs> anybody? No, everybody I knew was like, oh, I got to call him. Oh, yeah, I got to tell Maybe he missed the game. I should inform him. He's an Alabama fan. He might not know. Right? Right. Listen, we have the greatest news. Now, Tennessee winning, it was fun. It was great. But guess what? Next year it comes back, right? Alabama's just waiting. They're like 15 to 1. I'll take those odds. Right? No laughter there. Ooh, okay. Uh so, we have the news that we have been born again. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have been born again. You have been rescued from your sin. You have been rescued from death to life. You have been given a relationship with the creator of the universe who by his spoken word designed this whole world in six days, which blows my mind. The trees, anybody like the trees this week, last week? Oh, they're so gorgeous. To me, it just reminds me of the radiance of God's creative ability. And we could be evangelists just from the trees. I've tried to talk to people like, man, you see that? God's a good artist. Great conversation piece. And I am not trying to guilt anybody. I'm just trying to encourage everybody that we have good news if we've been born again. We are a child of the most high God. We are a child of the king, and we have been rescued from our own poor decision-making, our own sinful desires, our own flesh, and we could testify to our children, our parents, our next-door neighbors, our students, and our friends. We've got to get the word out. We've got to let people know. We've got to take it to Iran. We have to take it to Ukraine. We have to take it to Syria. We have to take it to Saudi Arabia. We've got to. We've got to pray. We've got to intervene. We've got to believe that God loves every person and that every person has a chance to be born again. Will we do that? Well, as a church, about, I don't know, six, eight months ago, we began to pray. Because of the great growth, I just met somebody this morning, and they were from California, somebody else, they were from California. Welcome, California. Welcome to Cookville. We're glad you're here. 
we're glad that you're coming. We're glad we want you to understand the hope of Christ just like God rescued us. Welcome Arizona, welcome Florida from the hurricanes. Welcome everybody. We are a melting pot of people in this room right now of folks that are seeking after the one true God and seeking to know him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Welcome for, and thank you for joining in this journey. As we look at who God's bringing in, we realize this city is growing and we need to do more. We need to continue to reach out. We brought Buddy and Amy Pearson on uh, in the area of church planning resident. We thought, and they thought that God was moving them towards Baxter. And then just a little over months ago, the Lord began to give Buddy a check in his spirit. Like, I don't know that we're ready. We, can we put a pause on this? I'm not gonna lie to you. I was a little, I was a little like, oh man, I was really ready, ready to go. And uh, but as we prayed about it, it's like, yeah, this this is what the Lord's saying to all of us for some reason. Well, at around the same time, well, a little bit sooner than that, we had Julio come to us. Got a picture of Julio. Uh, Julio started the River Community Church in the Jerry Whitson community. He's the guy forced from the right. He and his brother to the left started the River Community Church in Jerry Whitson. It's a Hispanic-speaking church. It's meeting at Christ Community. This was their second baptism they have. They baptized six people since like May. And so this is one of four new churches that we wanted to start in Putnam County. So I was like, well, you know, God's already started one. Hallelujah, celebrate. And uh, maybe he'll do another one sometime. Well, after uh, Buddy and Amy were like, hey, can we put a pause on it? I had another young couple come to me and say, you know, we believe God's calling us to step up to plant one of these new works. And I said, man, I am so excited. And so I want to introduce to you that new couple who's going to be starting a new work. Let's give it up for Brian and Meredith Vaughn. Brian said earlier, he's like, man, you made that really dramatic. I said, it is dramatic. Brian and Meredith moved here 20 years ago to partner with us to plant this new work. They left their home in Ohio and felt God leading them back to Tennessee where they're from and took a leap of faith. And it's been a, been a great, crazy journey. We both walked by faith, seen God do miracles. And uh, then there was a season the Lord took them overseas because God had put this on their heart to do that and then brought them back here. And uh, Brian and Meredith have been leading our college ministry uh, and doing an awesome job at the gathering, our college ministry. But as we were praying about this, we knew that some of the best and the brightest in our church would be those that we would send out to plant. And I'm excited because we have two of the best and brightest, Brian and Meredith Vaughn. They're gonna share how God nudged them and maybe, maybe God will nudge you in the same way. Thanks, Steve. Um, when he's talking about best and brightest, he's talking about Meredith, not me. Um, <laughs> see, I told you. Uh, you know, I was, uh, I was in the room when we first started thinking and praying about this idea of starting four new works, new churches in Putnam County. And uh, as we've been processing and, and praying through this, I've just been blown away, honestly, by Steve's heart in that, uh, because I don't know of too many, uh, too many pastors that would stand in front of his body and say, um, say hey, uh, we want to we start another church in our own hometown. 
And that's just a testimony to him and to his heart. I mean, that's the way it should be, right? Because we're all part of the key. We're not in competition. We're, we're, we're all part of the, the same thing that, uh, that God's doing here. And we want to be an expression of the kingdom of God, whether it's uh, around the world, uh, in a different state, or right here in Putnam County. Uh, I don't know if you were here last week, but my good friend Jeremy Cook was sharing. And quite honestly, there was a part of me that was like, God, can we go to Oregon with them? Because I would really love that. But we believe that God has called us here. And, um, and so there's a lot of, we have a lot of questions now that we don't have answers to, but we felt like we really needed to, to kind of be able to start planning that direction, uh, to be able to get in front of you all and say, Hey, this is, this is our intention. And it's just a continuation of what God has called the river to be and to do for the last 20 years. And we're excited to, to be a part of that. And through this process, we've thought a lot about the past, uh, 20, 25 years, and um, we were very comfortable uh, when we were in Cincinnati. Uh, we both graduated from tech here, but we, we moved off. We knew we were going into ministry, and uh, God had us in Cincinnati for a season. And during that time, I was just praying, Lord, uh, and I was exposed to church done a little differently, and, and I was thinking about what, what God might be doing in Cookville, because we love this area, and asking, Lord, could I go, could we maybe go back? And, and plant there. And I was talking to a friend of mine that still lived here uh, at that time. And, and I was telling him, this is, this is what I think God could do. And, and this is what it could look like. This is where it could meet. And he said, I, I think somebody's already doing that. And uh, it was a guy named Steve Taboo. <laughs> and, uh, and so uh, I had heard of Steve Taboo. I'd never met him. Steve was a legend in, in Cookville or some of the circles we ran into. I'd never, I'd never met him, but we talked on the phone shortly after that. And, uh, and at the end of that conversation, he was like, hey, are you ready to move uh, and come and be a part of this? And I was like, well, maybe I ought to pray about it and talk to my wife about it. And so I remember going home and saying, hey, what do you think? And I thought she'd be really excited because this is moving home for her. And I said, what do you think? Let's, let's, go, let's go be a part of this church plant. And she said... And I told him he was crazy because I was seven months pregnant with our second child. And our other one was just 12, or 12 months before, you know, 12 months and a newborn. So I said he was crazy. Yeah. But we prayed about it and we felt like it was what God was leading us to do. And so we stepped out that. Fast forward a few, several years later, uh, we had a team from our, our body here go uh, on a short-term volunteer impact trip to Central Asia. And uh, they came back saying, hey guys, the need is great there. We feel like we ought to pray about it. We ought to challenge people to, to move there. And there was something that clicked, like this has never been on my radar. And I was like, you gotta be kidding me, God, that I'm gonna pray about this. And so I went home again. Hey, Meredith, <laughs> I think we need to think about that. And you weren't quite as abrasive that time. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> no, but I did ask the question, could we not have done this before we had four kids yeah, to move overseas true. with us? That's because true. It, was, it was a lot. Yeah, uh, but we did. And then uh, we were there for a few years and uh, then we felt like God was leading us back. And, and since we've been back, a big part of what uh, our heart is, our... Uh, college students and young adults. And as Steve mentioned, we've led the gathering. Uh, but, but during that, over the past three years, uh, we felt again, it's just that stirring, like, God, I think you're getting ready to do something different in us. And uh, uh, I have, 
I've apologized to Meredith several times. Like, I, I keep feeling like I've got you on this roller coaster. And eventually she said, it's not a roller coaster. It's a merry-go-round because we keep coming back to the same place. I did. Um, and actually, I've tried to talk him out of this the last three years, saying, I think we're exactly where God wants us yeah. to be. When we were living, over, living overseas in the, in the country we were living in, um, one day he was at the park and he was wrestling with the Lord. And if, you're, if you are a spouse of a faith wrestler, you know the merry-go-round and the roller coaster it can feel like. And as Jeremy was sharing last week, I had that memory. And then of just not memory, I'm living in it again, um, of wrestling through these leaps of faith. And, and then Tuesday night, um, he and Jeremy shared together with our gathering kids, you know, this step. And, you know, Brian's like, he said this, he's like, you know, I kind of, I kind of miss that place of uncertainty and the unknown and the feeling of I'm stepping into something that's uncomfortable again. I'm like, really? Cause I don't, I don't miss that. I, I'm comfortable yet again in this place but have known that it's coming for about, he says two years. I think it's been more like three years I've been on the merry-go-round. And so if you're a spouse of a faith wrestler, I sympathize. It's, it's, it's a, it's a thing, it's a place to be that's hard sometimes of trusting and trusting in this person that you know is walking with the Lord, but yet is about to up set your whole life again. Um, but in the process of these things, as he's come and I've said, you're crazy. Yes, you're crazy again. And no, I don't think this is what God's telling you to do right now. Um, in that process and wrestling alongside with him, the Lord has always brought us to a place of unity and has always, always brought our hearts together and said, no, this, this is what you're supposed to, it just takes me a little longer. Um, this is what you're supposed to do. Hey, but you're a little crazier than me. You actually married me, so you kind of... That's right. You know. And I, would, I will add to that, too, as far as those journeys of faith. You know, I wish I could say that in each step of the way, that every time you do this, it gets easier. Like, it would feel like that first step, moving from Cincinnati to Cookville, would have been the hardest. And then each time as you walk into a new season, that stepping out on that ledge, stepping out in that place of faith, it gets easier. But I have to say that I don't think that's true. I don't think that it gets any easier. I think stepping into the uncomfortable, into the unknown, is just as scary now, 25 years later, as it was the very first time. But the difference in then and now is that we have these stones of remembrance. We have these Ebenezers that we can look back on, and we are able to say, God showed up. He provided when we had nothing. He led us every step of the way. And I think our heart's desire is we want, we've read this quote a lot in recent years of a long obedience in the same direction. Like, just keep on in the same direction. And every time he tells us to step out, we're going to hold this this thing that we have. We're going to hold this, this family of the River Community Church with open hands and say, Lord, we're putting our blank check back on the table. We're putting our blank, blank check back on the table and you fill it in whatever way you want to fill it in and we will walk that out as best we can. And so that's where we are again today of just saying, Lord, here's our blank check. And it feels a whole lot easier to stay back here where it's comfortable and not do this. And like I said, I've tried to talk about it for two years <laughs> because I really felt like the gathering was it. I really yeah. felt like the gathering was where we were supposed to stay. And this message, I, I forgot, I've started off with this, sorry. I started off with this in the beginning. And when we were living in overseas, God, when he was wrestling, God said, you are to take my word to the next generation and show them the treasure that it is. And so to me, I felt like that's the gathering. That's what we're doing, Right. But it was, it was a little bit more than that. And so that's where we are. Yeah. And uh, 
that's been the hardest part of this journey, stepping outside of that. Uh, but we're committed to the gathering through uh, through May, through the, the spring semester. And uh, the, the gathering will keep going. Uh, and uh, we'll raise up someone to, to step in into those shoes to lead that. But college students and young adults are still a big part of our heart. And so for this, this new work, we, we hope to be close to campus and uh, still be pouring into those. But it's not just for... For that age group, it's 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 for anybody. And you know, Steve, what he's even been preaching this this whole morning is <laughs> this good news is for everyone. And if uh, if if every single church building in this city uh, was packed to capacity, had multiple services, we wouldn't even be scratching the surface of the people that are walking in darkness, even in our own community. And we feel called to be a part of that. Um, and you know, when we started the river. The river looked way different than everything else in town. And, uh, you know, this new work won't look just like the river. You know, it'll, it'll take on its own personality. Uh, but we are excited about the journey. And so here's some things that we want to ask from you. First is just, just pray. Pray for this whole thing. Because the enemy does not like when the kingdom of God is, is advancing and expanding. And so he wants to work against that. Um, uh, the second thing I would say is, have you ever played that uh, that game telephone? You know, where you if, if we were to start at one end of the row right here, and uh, and I said, you know, whispered a, a phrase, and then that person whispers the phrase to another, that person, and then by the time you get to the end of the row, it's a completely different thing than what started over here. You know, we're people, and so people assume a lot of things. So help us in protecting that. If you get questions like, well, we heard there's something going on at the river. Just say, hey, go and talk to the guys about it, you know? Uh, so let's, let's protect that and protect our unity uh, in that because, you know, this doesn't make sense to a lot of people uh, outside of this body. And we're thankful to be a part of a body where it does make sense. And I would say along those lines, too, we weren't ready 21 years ago to do this. God used all of those steps of faith, all of these years here at the river to help us prepare and be ready for this moment. And so all of those years weren't like, you know, the waiting period. No, it was, we had, we needed to grow. Yeah. We needed, we needed things that we only learned here in this body and under, yeah. under Steve and Melissa and walking alongside, doing life with them and seeing them live out this thing that they were telling everybody else to do. I mean, we've watched that. And so it's been a long time coming. And so we weren't ready until now, I think. Yeah. So, uh, and the last thing, if, uh, if you want to kind of stay up to date with us about what uh, what's happening and you want to know when we start, because again, more questions than answers right now. Uh, it's in its infancy kind of thing. We're hoping that maybe by next fall, the beginning of the next year, that this is when this thing is moving forward. But um, if you want to stay up to date with that, my email is up there. Uh, it's bvon at theriversecc.com. Uh, just send me an email. I might not be able to respond immediately to those, but we want to keep some folks up to date. And Steve's message all morning has been, we either need to share this good news or maybe we've never wrestled with the good news and uh, you've never been born again. He talked about that phrase. And if that's, if that's where you're at, if you've never been born again, if you've never stepped across that line of faith where you were willing to say, Jesus, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe that you're God. And I, either I need to surrender to that or 
Don't. If you're in that place where you're ready to surrender, then Steve is going to be back there in the prayer room, and he would love to talk to you this morning. So please go and, and see him uh, uh, this morning. And now, as before we are done, we're going to do the most important uh, part. Heather, come on up. Uh, the most important part, I think, of our service this morning is... Uh, all of these things that, that have been stirring in our hearts, the, the persecuted church, the, the, that song we sang at the very beginning about send me, um, we want to pray over some of those things. So Heather, our, our missions director, is going to lead us through those prayers. Thanks, Heather. Thanks, guys. Um, I know that I don't think any of us would stand here and say that we don't think prayer is important or that we don't think prayer changes things, but I know I can look at my own self and I can measure how that weighs in my own life. If I think that prayer changes things and I think that it matters, then sometimes what I do doesn't reflect that. And so I'm, I'm very grateful to have this chance to be able to, to be here today because I do believe that prayer changes things. Um, and, and I'm very familiar with those passages about asking you shall receive and, and, and those other verses that say, you have not because you haven't asked. And, um, and the ways that he says that if we pray and we ask, he'll give the, the nations as our inheritance. So that is going to be what our focus is today. Our, our focus during this week of Impactober is on prayer and the nations. And so today is our international day. And we've talked about how you can pray and give and go. And you've got those things in your seat back. I'm still encouraging you to do that. But if you'll turn your hearts with me, um, my husband is right now in West Africa uh, leading a team, and that's because of you and your giving. And this morning, when they prayed all together, they got super loud. So I'm not really thinking that you guys are going to get super loud, but it's going to be a time that you can you can pray out loud. That's okay. Um, God can handle that, and hopefully your neighbor can handle that. Um, you don't have to yell or anything. I don't really think God's hard of hearing. But if you make a little bit of noise, that's going to be okay. And if you're in family groups right now and you, you just want to kind of huddle together in a little group, that's great. If you're sitting by yourself, you came by yourself this morning, that's okay too. If you feel like you'd rather grab a friend, even if you came by yourself, then feel free to do that if you want to move around a little bit. If you're joining us online, we really want you to take part. If you want all three of these requests, then you go ahead and, and, and do that. But there was a heartfelt request that I had really in my, in my mind, I had seen us sharing that on a video this morning. But you know, there are words that we use that speak things to us that, that don't translate as well overseas. And so sometimes when we talk about workers and we use certain words, if those words were to be connected with them overseas, it would be a problem. And so um, I'm just going to bring this as well as I can. I'm going to pray that the Lord gives it the same weight to this side of the room as it, as it hopefully would have translated in person. You may be able to see that some other time, some other place. But you know, our workers get tired. Um, it's, it's a battlefield out there and, and they're on the front lines and, and sometimes they, they, they take a, a beating or a wounding and, and they're tired and they're feeling like, you know, this is so much harder than it has to be. And I, I wish it, it wasn't this hard. So I want you guys to pray for our personnel, for people that are working overseas currently to share the gospel, to make the gospel known to the nations. Pray for them for perseverance, for the, the ability to hang in there when times are hard or when it's difficult. Um, sometimes they wanna give up. 
but pray that that's not the case, that God will give them the strength to keep carrying on and the grace to do that. And for this group right here, I want you guys to pray for those people that are in a people group that doesn't have any gospel witness. That's, that's a reality. There are people who will be born, who will live, and who will die. And right now, the way things stand, there's not any chance that they're gonna hear. They don't know a believer. There's nobody in their people group that believes. And there's furthermore, there's not even anybody trying to make that different right now. There's nobody with a strategy to reach them. So would you guys pray that the Lord will raise up workers for the harvest, that he'll be doing things in a supernatural way for those who have no hope because they don't know that there's hope in Jesus. And for you guys, I'm gonna ask that you would pray for the persecuted church. Um, Just got to be in Central Asia, such a blessing, really great thing, but oddly enough, in the middle of Central Asia, I find myself in the home of a, of a, a believing couple from Iran. And as we came that morning, we were coming to encourage them, to lift them up, mostly because life as a refugee is hard. That's what we thought we were doing. But that morning, they were broken because they'd gotten up for the next day, after the day before, after the day before, after the day before, for news of a two-year-old that was killed, for news of a 12-year-old that was killed, and, and those are things that are happening in their country and they're worried about their family who has come to faith and what that means for somebody who is in Iran. And there are other nations that that's the case. But I know that my life was changed in that moment as I was sitting there with them. These are people who know people whose family are right now in danger. So guys, I want you guys to pray for the people that are living in a place where it's not okay to be a believer, either because of government oppression or because of other factors that come into effect, that it's not okay to be a believer in that group. So you guys pray that the church will continue to grow and that those people will be protected. So if if you guys will pray for the persecuted church, we're gonna just take just a few moments together. I pray this isn't something that stops right here. I pray this is something that affects how you pray because if we believe that he really can, do all that he says and that he will, that'll make a difference in where we invest our time. So you guys pray together for a few moments and then I'll close us out together and we'll be dismissed. Father God, we come to you now, Father, as a body, and we join together with one heart. God, I'm so grateful to hear the murmurs of your people as you hear probably all day, every day. But Father, to stand together 
and to say that we believe that you are able and that you're worthy and that you can make a difference. God, we, I pray right now that this isn't something that we leave here, but this is something that affects us in our homes, in our life groups, in our, in our personal time of prayer. Father, that we are moved to action. Father, that we put our money where our mouth is, so to speak. And Father, we show that we believe that you can and that you will. And we show that we're desperate because without you, there's no hope of any of these things taking place. By God, you are able and you can, and we need you. Help us to see our need. Father, give us faith where we don't have enough. Lord, I pray that we, you would um, use us in and through our prayers to make a difference around the world. Lord, I pray that you bless these people as they go out into their place. God, um, help us to remember to not hold this good news as something that we're ashamed of or something that we're afraid to share or just something that we're not affected by. But God, help us every day to be a light and a hope to those around us. Use us this week. In your name I pray, amen. Hey guys, thanks so much for checking us out online today. If you want more information about the church or things that's going on here, be sure to check out theriverCC.com or download our app and visit us there. Also, as we go through the Bible this year, we want to help keep you engaged on what's being read and talked about each week. To do that, we have a podcast called The Word This Week, which will recap each week's readings as well as have special guests who will talk about what God showed them that week. So be sure to check that out on all podcast streaming platforms. And again, thanks so much for checking us out online.